0: Well, for me, I wanna I wanna get on the ball. If I if we were at a long rally, I grab the ball, it's my turn to serve, and I'm standing there and I'm ready to go. And then once they blow the whistle, if you get that quick serve, you can get a quick point because they're still really not ready to go, you know. This
1: episode is brought to you by West Coast Beach, a year-round beach volleyball club on the west side of Los Angeles in Santa Monica, California. At West Coast Beach, we aim to get one percent better every day both on and off the court. You can find more info about us at westcoastvbc.com and on Instagram with handle at westcoastvbc. All right, I'm so happy to have John Hayden with us today. Thank you so much, John, for being here. John, you're a friend of mine, a colleague. Uh, You are so accomplished on the court. Just to name a few of your accomplishments, two-time All-American at San Diego State, uh, four-time MVP there, Uh, two-time Olympian in Sydney um, and uh, was it Athens? Uh, Atlanta. Uh, Sorry, Atlanta Atlanta and Sydney, right? Yeah, Atlanta in 96 and Sydney in 2000. Thank you. (laughs) 26-time champ on the beach, oldest player to ever win an AVP event. Uh, The last one was uh, 2018 Hermosa. Yes, according to my wife, yes. <laughs> okay, and also the creator of the Hayden Beach Academy in Tennessee, John Hayden. You're awesome, you're inspiring. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you. All right, let's get right into it. What does living an inspired life mean to you? Uh, there's that question we we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you know, I, I I think what you're getting at for me is to be able to inspire people. Um, it, I, I think that kind of keeps me going a lot at my age. Uh, it's, it's tough, the last few years are always tough. And, you know, people ask how you do it. Um, not many people ask why you're still doing it. And I think the why is kind of, because I'm doing something nobody else has ever done. And, you know, um, <laughs> somebody did it, but then they cut out at 43 or 44 and I'm still going. So, you know, it's to do something that nobody's ever done before.
1: I love that. I love that. What does having an inspired practice mean to you?
0: Well, I I guess, you know, getting out there and learning something new all the time, you know, when you're focusing on stuff you've already done, um, even at my age to pick up something new, which happens all the time, where you know there's that, that light that turns on all of a sudden. It's like you figured something out. And that's kind of inspiring, especially in beach volleyball. There's so many aspects to the game. And there's so many different types of players, whether they're tall, short, hit hard, don't hit at all. You know, There's so many variables. And if you can pick up something new, I've tried to pick up something new every year. Um, for the first seven or eight years, I picked up a skill in the game. And then now it's more about kind of a, a, the, the mental part of it. When you picked up something mental about the game and it's new to you, that's pretty inspiring. And you can take that into practice and, you know, figure things out. That's the inspiration behind it. Um, kind of, it's hard, it's hard to explain, you know, you get down there and you're playing with a bunch of guys and you figure something out that they don't know. That's pretty inspiring. You know, because you've been doing it for so long, and all of a sudden you figure out something new about people.
1: That's cool. Um, you know, I've had the the pleasure uh, to actually be on the court with you on some of those practices, and you've always just seemed inspired all the time. Have you ever had an uninspired practice? <laughs> Plenty of uninspired
0: practices.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, you know. Um, I think in any sport, other people can get you down. And when you're working your butt off and somebody's not working as hard as you, that's pretty uninspiring. Um, I feel like I've had plenty of those practices over the years and uh, yeah, so you can get uninspired practices.
1: <laughs> and how do you deal with that? Cause I mean, you can't really control other people. You can inspire other people and kind of coach them, but, but how do you deal with that for your own, you know, for your own experience? Well, they put this uh, jacket on you backwards and they tie you
0: from behind and (laughs) sit you in a rubber room. (laughs) No, seriously, it's tough for me. It's really tough because for for someone like me and you know me, I work my butt off and I have to. I wasn't gifted with this this long arms to hit balls or a very um, high vertical. You know, I've had to work really hard with what I've got Um, and I'm out there working hard every day on the sand or in the gym or just being at home you know you got to take care of yourself and when I'm working that hard at my age and I see somebody younger 10 years younger than me that's not giving the output and making excuses that that weighs on you mentally because it's like hey you know I have a family to feed and I'm working I'm way older than you and I'm working my butt off and you're not giving it to me and that's that's really tough to really difficult to deal with.
1: Yeah. Um, what about an inspired game, you know, and and what's the main difference between an inspired game and an inspired practice?
0: Um, I think an inspired game, you know, when you go out and play well and everything feels right. Um, I'm talking about like energy when you have this energy out there in the game where every point is going your way, you just feel it. When you're hitting the lines, when you're chiseling the block, when you're st- stabbing balls, sticking your arm out and got some dig that nobody thinks you would come out with, that, that's pretty inspiring to me. And that's just an energy that you create on the court with positive energy by yourself and your partner. And I talk a lot about uh, with my partners, we'll be losing and that'll be happening to us where guys are hitting four or five lines and they're, it feels like, oh man, they're getting so lucky. And I tell my partner, hey, we just got to turn the energy around. We make one or two plays and the energy is ours and those things start happening to us. So I think an inspired game is all about positive energy.
1: That's great. This, you know, this project is all about, um, you know, giving tools to the youth athlete, especially when they're uninspired. So, you know, can you remember any time being on the court during a game where you were uninspired and you had to completely switch in that moment? I.
0: I think, uh, you know, it, it's tough to pinpoint one in the moment, but like I said, when the energy isn't going your way, you got to find a way to do it. You got to find a way to change that energy and games turn around that way. Right. Um, recent, a very recent example of that is, uh, Bill Kalinsky and I, we were in Mexico in the qualifier. And we were down to Canada. We were down in the first game, came back and won. And then we were down uh, 13-7 in the second game. And I, I was like, all right, here we go. We got to turn the energy around. And I made two plays in a row. Great digs. We put the ball away. You know, we got a couple points. And then all of a sudden, that kind of energy folded over to Bill. And he made some plays too. And then we were right back on schedule. We turned that energy around and we won that match. So, you know... That's what happens, and and that happens in a lot of games. If you can kind of relax and make that energy positive for your side,
1: I love that. I love that. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about emotion. What are the differences and similarities in emotion from both an inspired practice and an inspired game?
0: Let let me go back to that uh, last question. So my favorite example of that is two thousand nine. Sean Scott and I against Phil and Todd in Atlanta this is my favorite match of all time my favorite win ever we're down 12-7 well we're down 11-7 and Sean and I had talked about it before the game we we won our semifinal, and we knew we were playing Todd and Phil and we sat down on the bench right after our game and I said listen we have nothing to lose those guys are the best in the world they never lose Let's go in and win. And Sean says to me, you got to understand, I've lost to them so many times. (laughs) You know, he he had lost so many times and so frustrated." I said, I don't care. Whatever happens, you keep your head up. You keep your head up. So we go into that game. Game three, we're down 11-7. Sean goes up, gets blocked, 12-7. He turns around, he puts his head down. You can see it just devastated. Here we go again. We've lost. And I said, hey. I pointed at him, I said, Sean, I don't want to see that pick your head up. And he said, yeah, you're right, you're right. And we turned around from 12-7 in the third, down again 14-11 in the third, and we came back and won that game against the number one team, one of the most dominating teams of all time. And that's my favorite example of keeping your head up, positive energy, and we did it as a team. I love that.
1: Wow. So anyway. Um, yeah. No, I love that. No, thank you for that story. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so like, like building on the emotional part of that, because emotions play a big role in this whole picture, uh, especially for the youth athlete, you know, how to manage the emotion. And I guess what I'm really trying to ask is, you know, what's the main difference and similarities in emotions between the inspired practice and the inspired game? I'm sorry, I lost that. Hey, Jack, Jack, could you be
0: quiet, please? Thank you. Tell tell Jack, Uncle Aaron says hi. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron says, you got to be quiet, man. Yeah. <laughs> Help out.
1: Okay. So, I'm sorry. I said, yeah, again. yeah, no problem at all. So, um, what, uh, what are the differences and similarities in emotion from both an inspired practice and an inspired game?
0: <clears throat> well, I think you got to go out to every practice and make sure you're, I mean, the old cliche is, uh, perfect pras- practice makes perfect, not just practice makes perfect so anytime you show up to practice, you got to be, you got to be there to train. You got to be there to get better. You got to be there to work hard. Otherwise you're just wasting it. There's no reason to be there. And, uh, that translates over to the games. So you work hard and you create that positive energy. You go after every ball and practice. It's only going to make you go after every ball in the game. So, <clears throat> sorry, man. I got watermelon. No worries. Yeah. Water
1: would be great. But so, you know, that translates into a game. You and and I guess that. the emotional management part is what I'm looking for, because, you know, training and, and games, the emotions are a little bit different. Training, you're you're working, you're working, you're working and games. You, you have to be kind of open to the unknown, you know. But how do you manage your emotion, I, I guess, is the question. Well, I think if you put it into your practices, uh,
0: you're always put, putting some on the line, whether you're playing for lunch against people. Or you, you always want tight games, you know. And so when you run uh, game-like situations, you should be playing um, close, close matches or close games with people. Always have something on the line. Whether it's all right, losers shag balls, losers go lunch, losers do this, losers do that. That inspires you to win, you know. And that that creates okay. Now it's match point. If I if they put this away, we lose. I got to do all this stuff. Well, it's the same in a a game to a different level. So I I don't think you can actually create that in a practice because game emotions are quite different. Right. Um, You have a lot more on the line, but to an extent you can.
1: And, you know, you've been in some huge games. Um, How do you manage your emotions in the game when the game's on the line and you have the crowd yelling and everyone's going crazy? How do you manage your, your emotions?
0: Uh, I just focus on the end goal, you know, to win. Uh, it's all about winning. You know, I, I wait to the last second. After the game, I can let all my emotions out. Otherwise, you know, you, you start having up and down emotions in a game, it's just going to tire you out mentally and physically. There's, there's a couple, I mean, uh, one time trying, and I were playing in Puerto, uh, in Puerto Vallarta. It was 95 degrees out humidity. It was crazy, super, super tiring. And we played against uh, Poland, Poland's number one team. And it came down to the very end. Uh, I, I baited the guy, right? I baited the right side hitter to do a cut shot. I got it up. I dove, got it up, set me. I put the ball away from the match and I screamed, ah, ah. And I basically passed out. I fell to the ground. I I went blank for a second, had to sit down. And, but if I had yelled at once during the game, that'll bring me out of the game. So you know, I focus on the end goal and don't let to listen until it's over. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I manage my emotions.
1: I like that. I like that. Let's talk about, uh, um, how, okay. Yeah. This is a great question for you. How does the inspired feeling transcend one sport or discipline carry over to their personal daily life?
0: Well, I think I'm more inspired for me outside of volleyball, um, with my family. Um, Volleyball has been huge for me because it's given me more time than most people to spend with their families. Um, my favorite thing to do is hang out with my wife, my kids. Uh, you know, I start coaching now and I miss my kids when they get home from school. I'm leaving. So, it. you know, that's something I got to get through because for years and years, I was able to pick them up from school, drop them off at school, you know, and do all this stuff with my family. So... I think they inspire me, you know, they, they love being at the tournaments, um, unfortunately, they don't get to go as much these days, but you know, that always inspired me, them being at the tournaments, um, them cheering for me, my son gets so mad if I lose, uh, we won't get into that, uh, <laughs> he'll break things, but um, I, I'm just inspired from my family, and I think I bring that to the court.
1: It's awesome. Let's talk about mindset. Um, <clears throat> what is your self-talk during the play and in between plays? Just give us a glimpse. You um, don't have to go into too much detail, but just a little glimpse of what's going on in your mind. Well,
0: I, you know, I think when I'm siding out, when I'm on uh, getting ready to receive, it's all about, you know, what did I do the last two or three plays? What did they do against me? So I'm always thinking about how they're trying to bait me and what they think I'm going to do. So looking at that, I'm looking for my strategy on the next side out. How do we want to run things? Um, When we're serving, i thought about – so when we're on defense, it's more about what did they do the last couple plays and how can I set them up to hit it to me? Or how, or or get a block. You know, it's always a chess game, trying to figure out what's going to happen and what happened in the last few plays. You know, you're always trying to bait people. You're always trying to get in their tendencies, uh, throw them off guard somehow. So I think both ways, offense and defense. Because you know, I run, I run an offense where I'm all over the place. Uh, Defense, it's a chess game, thinking three moves ahead. So just,
1: just trying to throw them off guard with something they haven't seen. That's awesome. Uh, in volleyball, there's so much stoppage time. How are you utilizing that stoppage time in between whistles? Um, well internationally, there's not much stoppage time.
0: (laughs) Uh, For me, I like to get to the point. Um, I like to turn around, get ready to serve, get ready to go. Uh, I, I think there needs a happy medium for volleyball and volleyball fans between the FIVB and the AVP. Some, some guys take forever. Um, kind of takes the fans out of the game. And to me, that seems boring. I don't like that. I can handle it a lot. Like, I just go, all right, here we go. And I stand there until they're ready. And I know people do it on purpose. So it's something you just have to deal with. Uh, But I just get ready thinking about, like I said, you're thinking about what were the last couple plays? What do these guys want to do against us? And what do we want to do against them? So I take that time. You cool. know, for me, I want to, I want to get on the ball. If I, if we were at a long rally, I grab the ball. It's my turn to serve. and I'm standing there and I'm ready to go. And then once they blow the whistle, if you get that quick serve, you can get a quick point because they're still really
1: not ready to go. You know? Right. Right. How do you, I don't have this written down, but I'm just thinking off the top of my head. How do you, how do you deal with a long rally? You know, after a long rally, I remember watching you in, in Hawaii uh, a couple of times, or there, there's some really long rallies, I think against Taylor and, you know, right after a long rally, when you feel kind of spent, you know, what are some tools that you use mentally to get you right back and get ready for the next one?
0: Well, I think it's more physical <laughs> and I, I personally want to show how, much, how good a shape I am and I'm better shape than all of you. So like I said, if I, if we win that point, I'm walking back, I'm getting that ball and getting ready to serve. And I know these guys are going to take a lot longer, but they're looking over me ready to serve going, how the hell is this guy ready? We just all ran down 20 balls and I'm sucking wind. You know, once people start putting their hands on their knees, you know, you can take advantage of them. So in between something like that, I'll just get back, get ready to go. And, you know, (laughs) you're thinking, like I said, how's this guy ready to go again? So it's kind of a you, mental let just
1: try and throw out there, catch your breath while you're walking back and get ready. Yeah. So over the years, you've had some uh, pretty unique uh, off the volleyball court training. Uh, do you want to touch on that a little bit and just give us a little secret on, on some of your secrets?
0: <laughs> well, I'm not sure there, there are many secrets anymore. Uh, my trainer who is my secret weapon It is now the secret weapon of a few other people. <laughs> I think he has like four or five, you know, he's had, he's probably had five or six other volleyball players up there now. Um, whether girls or guys, but you know, he, he came down when I first met him, didn't know anything about volleyball. He said, all right, what time did you practice and where? And he showed up there and he just took notes on all the movements we made, how, how we move, how, how much stuff we do. Um, One of the first things he said to me was like, why do you weigh so much? You know, why do you have so much muscle on you? There's no reason for this. You play volleyball and that sand is tough to move in, you know? So we cut the weight there. Um, Another thing was uh, creating a program with much, much more uh, focus on lunging, lunging forward, backwards, sides, Cause that's all you do in volleyball is lunge somewhere, you know, every single play, you're probably lunging 25 times. So he created stuff, whereas a lot of one legged type lunges, movements and stuff. Um, so that's one, one of the things he kind of created. He also has had me doing a lot of band work from the beginning of time, which was well before anybody else was using bands. Um, easier on the joints, um, Tendons and then you know, I never throw anything on my back. I use dumbbells uh, So basically he created something that as I've gotten older that stuff didn't crush me down in my prime So I'm able to still go longer and longer creating a, a program with more reps less weight and getting the same
1: results Love it uh, let's, let's talk about flow let's go back to the court can you identify when you are in the game in the flow or in the zone well
0: I think that's a, a, another way of talking about the energy you know when you have good energy you have good flow with your partner when things are going well so you know you got great ball control you got the great setting off of that ball control then you're in some sort of flow uh, just, just that positive energy where everything's going right Uh, And and you can you can uh, manifest that Essentially, you're trying to manifest all that Uh, You know, I don't know. Do you know the book power of intention? Yeah, I do By, By Wayne Dyer. Yeah, of course okay, so I believe my wife busted out that book told me to read it and I read it on the way to Cincinnati in 2005 and that was the first tournament I won. Wow. Um, with Mike, we had to go through five teams that have already won a tournament that year because when Mike picked me up, I I didn't have many points. So we got seated way back. Every team that won a tournament that year, we had to go through to get to the finals and win. And, you know, the whole time I'm thinking about stuff I read in that book, put your intention on it, you know, power of intention of winning this. I'm seeing myself win. And I think, uh, you know, it's a force. <laughs> if you believe in it, it's a force, and it works
1: for you. So that's that's awesome. I love Dyer. I have actually, I actually have Wayne Dyer going on in my car every time I go in the car. It just starts.
0: Oh yeah, I have uh, the
1: Ten Life Secrets. Yeah, you, have you? Seen that? Yeah, so I have that on audio. I listen to a lot. Amazing. Shout out to Wayne Dyer. Um, yeah. Can you? I just want to stay on the the idea of flow for a second. Um Can is it possible to create it in practice? Because, and the reason why I asked that is because, you know, when the game is on the line and there's something to achieve, like a win or, you know, prize money or a trophy, yeah, you, you, you feel motivated, but is there a way to do that in practice and then try to bank it for later? Well, I think at
0: a, especially at an earlier age, when you're dealing with the kids that are playing, um, they have a lot to learn. And when you're coaching some kids and you're teaching them, um, like I, like I do on offense, kind of the flow sets, I call right. it have some flow between each other. So I'm passing this ball over to you instead of just straight up, you're setting it back out to me, stuff like that. Um, I think you have these young kids and they're just learning that you're creating some flow on the court for them. And they walk out of practice going, wow, that was really fun. That was really cool. And nobody else is doing it. So I think some of my kids, you know, take this and develop it and get better and better. And when they walk off the court, they're like, wow, that, you know, it's really cool to be doing this type of stuff instead of just pass, set, hit it, you know? Right, right. And so, and so I, it... think for, I think for the younger generation, yeah, uh, you can take that at a higher level. Yes. Um, with guys, I mean, even, even going out with uh, a new partner every time, you know, I try to train them play my game and they get in a flow where it's like oh man that is so much easier to go on to during this play you know that's so much easier to set this shoot set or throw the ball way up to the net and they figure it out Uh, for me I've been doing it and I kind of gear everybody else towards my game and so I don't get it as much but I can see guys that I've been training with that become my partner, that work on the new things, walk away from practice going, yeah, that was really cool, I like playing this way.
1: So I, I think I created a flow in them. Cool, 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 awesome. Uh, let's talk about sources. John, where do you get inspiration from? And I know you mentioned your family, and if you wanna talk about them more, that's totally fine. But is there anywhere else that you get it from? Uh, yeah, you know what, I mean,
0: I do get inspired when the fans come up to me um, or, you know, they're on social media and they're like, how do you do it? I don't get it. You know, I am two years younger than you, three years younger than you and I can barely do this or barely do that anymore. And this hurts and that. So when they come up to me, I think that's pretty inspiring, you know? And that, like I said, that's kind of when I get more and more of those people telling me that I, feel like, all right, I got to do more. I got to play another year. I got to play longer. I got to show them. And, and, you know, a lot of people want to get out. They're like, Oh, we've seen you play. I want to get out more and I'm only 44. And I,
1: you know, thought I was done. So I think that's pretty inspiring. That's really inspiring. I mean, that's awesome. When you, when you feel that energy back to you, it, it just says, yeah, for sure. Okay. You like that. All right. I'm, I'll keep going for you then. You yeah, know, that's great. All right. Cool, man. Um, let's talk about, let's, let's go into the popcorn questions again, answer these, how you, how you wish, how do you define success and what does being successful mean to you? I think being happy with what you're doing. Um,
0: success to me is working hard and having that reward after, uh, you know, there there's, there's, I'm watching the last dance. I'm sure everybody else is. Yeah. Michael Jordan won that first trophy and all the emotions come out, right? Right after that, you know, you never see that out of a guy like that. He's such a hard ass, this and that. But once you get to that pinnacle, those emotions come out. And I think that's a huge part of it. You know, when you finally win again or you win your first or whatever, for me, it's every, every time I win a tournament, it's like, there's just this really piece of emotions. And I may, I may show happiness on the court and run around and be, you know, smiling and lit da up And then I get to the hotel room and I'm like, my body's drained. It's beat up. It's dead. And, you know, especially the older we get and those emotions come out there too.
1: So I, I think that's it. Cool. How do you consider the idea of failure?
0: I think failure you know, and I try to teach my daughter this right now. Um, especially at a young age, you're afraid of failure. But I mean, from day one, the moment you're born, you're failing. You know, you're trying, trying to eat with your hands and it's all over your face. You try and pick up a glass. You failed. You know, you can't even drink. And uh, with volleyball, it's the same thing. You know, I've failed a thousand times um, over and over again. And it's how you deal with that failure and come back. You have to, you know, another cliche, you know, you t- it's not failure. It's your, lear- your learning. You need to learn from failures. And I think, yeah, to an extent, you need to learn. and You definitely need to learn from your failures. But you can't dwell on them. Um, I've had a lot of t- really tough losses. And it sits with me for longer than I want most of the time, you know. And you just got to kind of find a way to get past that. You know, when Sean Scott and I won, we were winning all the time that one year. Um, and we came back the next year and I said, now we got to work even harder. You know, we're, we're at the top now. Every single team's going to be gunning for you. So what we did last year, we got to work harder now to stay on top. And I think that's a part of it because when you have those failures, you always got to work harder to pass some of those failures. So
1: I love it. What are the most successful habits that you do on a consistent basis? Um,
0: I think it's, you know, the discipline. I mean, discipline is a habit. Uh, I have to have discipline with my nutrition. I have to have discipline with my recovery. Um, you know, my my training regimen in the gym. Um, it, it's all, it, it's all kind of this lumped into that same thing. Uh, what, what was the, I'm sorry, what was the question? Yeah, no
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what are what are some of the most successful habits that you do on a consistent but, basis? Yeah.
0: So, so the habits are all, you know, your training and that with that training comes your are training in the gym, you're training on the court, your recovery after each training, your nutrition, you know, how you approach things has to be quote professional unquote. So if you want success and you want to keep that success, I think all those, the habit is being disciplined in all areas. You know, if you have six areas in life,
1: six of them better be good habits. Right. Right. And I would, I would just say your punctuality, is, is a very successful habit. Wouldn't you say so? I mean, all those training sessions that I showed up to, you're always there, just warming up, doing your thing, just waiting for everybody to show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that, that is, and
0: that's about, that's part of the professionalism. You know, you, you're, you have a time, you're expected to be ready to go at that time. So, right. so do it. You know, it, it's, it's a no nonsense attitude. I think you have to have a no nonsense attitude as a habit and love that. Treat it, this is my profession. And this is what I want to do. You can't be showing up late. You can't be warming up with earplugs in. You can't be warm, you know, that stuff just that fine. That's cool guy. Be cool guy, but it's not going to get you anywhere.
1: I like that. What's the most important lesson that has helped shape who you are today?
0: It's important lesson. Hmm. I'm not sure there's a lesson. Um, okay. I haven't really had a lesson about shaping me. I think, uh, you know, for me, I like to observe, observe and figure things out before I actually do them. So I think, you know, that's a good lesson. That's a great one. Um, so, you know, d- diving right into it. Isn't my thing. I like to observe and, and, and watch what works best, you know, for people try and take it in and, you know, move on from there.
1: So what was that Bruce Lee quote you always used to say? Uh, absorb what is useful,
0: discard what is useless, add what is essentially your own. And I use that with my girls too, because, you know, I, I, I think a great lesson that I've learned that nobody's taught me is basically that um, in all sports, you're going to be taught the basic fundament, fundamentals and skills. What you do with those after you're taught them and creating it as your own is a huge lesson. You know, um, the way I do all my stuff, I've created that on the court. I've I've taken certain ways I've been taught, but then I've changed it. And I think everybody needs to do that. Listen, I I tell all my girls in the end, I'm going to teach you how to pass the most efficient way. If you can pass with one arm behind your back, better than what I've taught you, then by all means do it, figure it out. Okay. Cause who's to say that's the right way. You know, I mean that's how it's taught and that's how you should do it. But if you can, if you can set a pokey every time perfectly, then set a pokey every time perfectly. All right. (laughs) Makes sense. So I I think you just got to create what's going to work best for you in the end.
1: I love that. Um, can you share the biggest challenge you've been through on your journey? Oh, geez.
0: Biggest challenge. I think all my injuries. Um, I've had plenty of injuries, uh, you know, and, and I'm going through them right now too. <laughs> but uh, for my whole life, my whole career, I've had injuries. I mean, there was, there was a time in college, three years in a row. I, sprain or broke my foot or ankle 3 years in a row in the same week in April and missed wow. the last 2 weeks of season you know so, so i'm going into the end of season getting ready for you know playoffs and i break my ankle or i break my foot and then i sprain my ankle the next year and then and it's all in the same week i mean huge setbacks super disappointing like here we go again i have to start all this rehab over you know shoulder surgery Two shoulder surgeries, had to start over. Uh, back injuries. Oh my God, here we go again. I think you have to take each one of those as a learning lesson. And when it is a setback, uh, you take one one step back, but you got to move two steps forward from that setback. Um, and it's mentally draining. It's mentally tough, especially when you've been through it so many times over and over, and you're like, here we go again, rehab. You know, I've been doing it the last two weeks, same rehab stuff over and over and over again. And if you can't do that, then you're never gonna get back or be better than you were. So I I think those,
1: those are really difficult. Um, Staying on the topic of injury, I've been through injury myself. Injuries are difficult uh, mentally, almost a little bit more than physically, you know, physically you gotta follow the, the program. But mentally, can you give any tips in the middle of the injury or right when it just happened? Where is your head at? And where do you need to be at mentally? Well, the older you get,
0: you're thinking to yourself, is this it? You know, is this it? Is this the one that gets me and I'm done? Um, and that's been the last seven years for me. <laughs> so, you know, I think. When I think to myself, is this it? My wife hits me up and she says, "Mikel's going to get you back. You know, you know, and I'm like, I don't know about this one. And I have to mentally say, yeah, I know he is to myself. And I know he is. I know he does. He's done it every single time. And there's points where I'm like, this is it. I'm done. I can't even move. Um, and then finally I get in with him and... I walk out of there feeling fantastic. Now I walk out feeling fantastic. starts to get a little stiff later and hurts and blah, blah, blah. And I can't do what I need to do. But I think mentally, you just got to have not, not only mentally, you got to have a good crew behind you. Um, and I have my wife and I have McKellell, uh, even just this, this last two weeks with my injuries, my wife needs to get my ice. She needs to give me a massage. She needs to heat my back. She needs, you know, and th- this injury isn't even that bad, but it's put me out to where I, you know, I can't put on my socks. I can't, you know, so she's got to put on my socks, you know, stuff like that. She is my crew at home getting every single thing I need. And because I have her, I'm able to do what I do. It's, it's, the, the two people that have been behind the, behind the, the wizards behind the curtain I call them, is my wife and Mikhail. And without them, either one of them, I don't think I could do what I do. So, you know, you, mentally you got to have, you, not only mentally, you got to
1: have those people behind you being able to get you back. So, mm. Shout out to Robin shout out to Mikhail. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. Let's keep this moving. Um, what is the biggest challenge you see for your athletes now that you're coaching? Oh, wow. Well, different story now, you know, with the
0: virus, all these, uh, all these, all these college kids can come back a year. Um, not only the seniors, but the juniors get an extra year. The sophomores get an extra year, which just creates this flow on down to the high school girls who Maybe there was three or four scholarships available at a school, but now there might be none. You might even be not even be able to walk on because they have so many girls. So that's going to be a, a, a new challenge over the next four years for these girls. And I feel for them. I mean, it's tough. It, it just completely changed the game right now for them. Um I think other than that, skill wise, it's it's tough. It's tough to teach skills. I'm sure you know. You know, when a girl doesn't have the correct arm swing it's tough to get them to have an arm swing. Uh, When they jump goofy foot, it's really tough to get them not to jump goofy foot. Uh, So when they come to you without these skills, uh, just natural ability, and you're trying to create that for them, I think those are, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's very difficult as a coach. And that's where, you know, you want, two three other coaches that might have an idea because if, if I'm trying to get this in somebody's brain, it's not working. And you're there, Aaron, maybe you say one word that I haven't used that clicks in this girl's brain. And I've seen that work a thousand times. For sure. You know, maybe you just need that one little word that somebody else might use that you haven't used yet. And being, you know, right now I'm the only coach right now. I uh, plan on having more, but since I think that's that's a really tough thing to deal with, you know, trying to, get sure.
1: to have the
0: proper skills. So,
1: and, and what about what about the device or Instagram generation that I feel like a lot of these kids are in? Um, I, I, to me, that's one of the biggest challenges that I see is the attention that goes outward a lot. This whole project that I'm doing right now is about going within more. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Do you see that? And, and if you do, what are some solutions to that?
0: Well, I, th- I think parents are the solution. They got to raise their kids properly. Uh, <laughs> and you're right. This, this whole social media thing where honestly, I'm old school. If you're going to talk smack, you better put up your fists, you know? And now you can just hide behind the screen. And to me, that's weak. Um, If, if I, if I put something out there, I better be mentally tough, mentally tough enough for people to come back at me uh, with a different opinion, which I'm fine. You know, everybody's, everybody can have their own opinion and you got to be tough enough to be able to take whatever stitches. Um, For me, I'm not on social media that much. Uh, I'm sure, you know, people put out these questions, who's the best this, who's the best that, who this, whatever it is. And then you're going to get the haters and you're going to get the people that pump you up. I don't look at it. So I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that don't like my game and say, I'm not that good or whatever it is. But since I'm not looking at it, who cares? You know, these kids all take it in and they think, Oh my gosh, they said, they said this about me. But you got to be tough and your parents got to teach you that it doesn't matter what they say. They're cowards. They're cowards for hiding behind something instead of coming to your face and saying it, you know, nobody, nobody would come to your face today and say it. And if they do, they're going to sue you because you're going to beat the crap out of them. You know, it's like, I I use the saying a lot when men were men. And I'm sure people, if you posted that, it will be all over me for, it. <laughs> but I look back, even, even watching the, the Michael Jordan thing with my daughter the other night and them going against the Pistons and now he got raked, right? He just gets crushed and beat up. And what does he do? He puts on weight, comes back next year and wants to crush them down. He figured out what he needs to do to me. I'm like, Hey, that's when men were men and you could play and see these fouls that you don't get kicked out of the game. Right. You right. Off, you know, and it's like, to me, that was, that's just a time you don't get to see anymore. And uh, uh, like I said, people hate me for that, but I like that generation.
1: Staying on that topic of a challenge for the kids, the youth athlete right now, you know, watching you over the years um, and looking up to you as a player, I just always admired how you were able to focus. Let's talk about focus for a second. What are some tools that help you focus on the court during a training session, during a championship, during a qualifier, a qualifier match back, back when you were, did you even play qualifiers? I don't think so. Um, but you just any played match. In two qualifiers this year, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so yeah. So any match, my, my point is anytime you're on the court, how do you focus uh, and what tools can you offer for that? Well,
0: for me, I'm there to do a job. I'm there to win the tournament. Uh, you're not done until you're done until you're out of the tournament. So every point I'm focused, every play, uh, every set, every match, I'm coming out because I want to win. So my focus is on winning. It's a long-term goal. I'm not just focused on getting by this match and taking a 17th. I'm focused on the 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 goal, which is the end, to win another tournament. Um, so that, that keeps my focus longer. You know, um, I think it's just a competitive edge that that not everybody has is like, I'm there to win. I'm not there to show up and be happy about being, you know, being in the main draw. I'm there to win every time. And I think uh, not everybody has that focus. Um, Hard thing to bring to practice. If I'm at practice, what am I doing here? I just drove an hour to practice to, to not focus and not train hard. That's absolutely stupid to me. I could be doing better things. So to me, I, you know, if I'm going to put the time into something, I'm going to do it right.
1: Love that. Um, but you said you, you're an observer. But I want to talk about that, too, because you remind me of someone who's very sure of themselves. You've always been very sure of your capabilities and, and, and what you can do. Um, what's the balance of observing on the outside world and staying centered on the inside world? Uh, I'm not so
0: sure. I've always been sure of myself. Maybe I've come off that way. Um, I've had to work really hard to to do what I do. Um, and like I said, I wasn't always the quickest. I didn't jump the highest. I don't have the longest arms. You know, I, I had to really play within myself, my capabilities. So, you know, um, on that the question you're asking I'm kind of a a realist I know my limitations um so if I know my limitations I just work to hit those limitations as hard as I can and don't try to do stuff that I can't do like block (laughs) but uh you know knowing knowing your limitations like your game is going to be different than My game is going to be different than Phil's. I'm never going to be able to do what Phil does, but I can do a lot of other things better. Right. right. I'm working on those and trying, you know, trying to pass those limitations, but I do have my limitations. So, uh, to take that in your second part of your question was, how do we keep that off the court? Like in us,
1: yeah, I guess I was asking because you said you're such a good observer, which you are. You look around, you mm-hmm. see stuff and and but then you seem so centered and you seem so, you know, like I said sure of yourself, but you could say confident, you know. I mean, how do you balance the two because I feel like a lot of times and we were talking about the youth athlete right now who's on Instagram all the time looking outwards, you know, how do you balance observing without judging? I guess that's that's more of my question, you know, observing, taking what you want from the outside world, but not getting caught in the judgment part of it.
0: Uh, I wouldn't say I don't get caught in the judgment. I think a lot of people are idiots. <laughs> so I just, I just don't put it out there. I mean, it, uh, I'll be like someone posts this whole political stuff is just crazy to me. There's so much hate out there. Right. Um, and, and that's just hate breeds hate and I look at it and I'm like all right well I just put it off as somebody being an idiot and they're a hater and I don't want to get into it because it's all negative energy uh so I'll just let it go uh my wife has a harder time letting it go where she's she's in the process of learning these things she's getting much better at it but to me it's like I I, I think I taught her a valuable lesson and saying listen you got to play devil's advocate with yourself. Why is that person thinking that way? And just kind of have some empathy or compassion for the way they're thinking. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's wrong. But you have to see, you have to see it from other people's point of view. And then I think that just kind of settles me down where I can just be like, all right, and I let things go. I, I, I don't hold a grudge on anybody. You know, that's just, that's, you know, that's just bad energy. I right. don't want to you. You know, I try not to hate on people, but, you know, you're always going to have an opinion or feelings on somebody, you know, whether you don't like them and why you don't like them, you know, that, that just happens. Being able to let stuff go, I think is a huge asset. And that's,
1: that's what I have. I think that's one of my biggest assets is I can let things go pretty quickly. I would agree. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right, let's keep moving here. Just a few more. How important is the idea of impact to you? What do you mean by impact? Like, Yeah, like, uh, so I'll try not to ramble when I say this, but you know, when we're doing what we're doing in life, we're doing it and we're in the moment and we're not necess- necessarily thinking about what's, how we're going to be judged later, how we're going to re- be remembered later, but we will be in some capacity, you know, um, when, when we pass on. So the idea of impact, especially for a coach, we like, we want to give positive impact on others, but yet we don't want to focus on that too much. We want to stay in the moment. So I guess what I'm asking is how important is the, the idea of that impact later?
0: Um, I, I think that's to the person you are impacting, uh, because you have as a coach and as a player, you have, uh, partners and, uh, And players kids coming through and it's they're just waving through waving through so if you can impact them in a certain way and they take that on it's gonna affect them more we may see it down the line where they thank us for something or you know you see it in their play once they get older um, and that will impact you uh, you know but that's later on down the line I think it's more on the person you're impacting Like I said, with these people that come up to me and tell me, you know, I started playing volleyball again at 46 because you still play and you do this. So I figured, you know, that's an impact I have on people that is special to me, makes me want to keep playing, makes me do it for people like that. Um, but I think the biggest impact is when I don't, I don't have to have credit, I don't need credit for anything. I I can do something self, uh, you know, unselfishly and somebody else can take credit for it. I don't care. Um, because I know inside, you know, I helped that person somehow. Right. Right. And usually usually that will come back to you no matter what, you know, people, people want to take credit for kids I coach or I've trained or I've developed to be better by all means, go do it. They're going to come out and say what really happened. And I know how I help that person anyway. So I I think it's more on the person later on down the line that's been impacted by me. I don't don't worry about too much about impacting somebody.
1: Sure. Cool. Um, What brings you joy? What part of your work brings you the most joy? I
0: think uh, winning. (laughs) Winning for sure you know um i don't like losing and i think any great athlete that has that drive does not like losing and they're going to do whatever it takes not to lose um unfortunately in most sports you're always relying on somebody else so you know making them great to help your cause and then win i think winning that that's the best um You know, seeing, I I used to get with the national team when I played indoors, you know, I was happy when I did stuff, made great plays, whatever. But Mike Lambert was my roommate most of the time. And man, when that guy blocked the ball, I was happier for him than ever for me. You know, that's cool. cool. Super stoked when he did stuff. Um, And that's a great feeling. You know, when you're playing behind a Sean Scott and he does something so incredible. You know, or try jumps in there and does something incredible and wins the match or whatever. I'm so happy for those guys. I'm happy that I won, but I'm so happy for those guys that just made the best play ever. You know, I think I think that brings me joy seeing other people get stuff done like that when I'm involved.
1: Yeah, that's cool, man. That's really cool. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received and why? From whom?
0: Probably my wife. She's standing right there. <laughs> no, uh, that's piece of advice. Um hmm. All right, That's a tough one. I, I would have to think about that for a while. Bruce Lee told you. Uh, Bruce Lee told me what? <laughs> I I do like I I do Bruce like a lot of Bruce Lee stuff. Yeah. Uh, Aaron has a quote that you know, and that's good advice. I think that's great advice. You know, I picked that up a long time ago, and I think I've used it wisely. Just absorb what is useful. I, watching Stein, I picked up, you know, my pokey from him. Watching Raji play defense and, and his shots, his cut shots, and the way he delayed, I picked that up from him. Dax, you know, even though he's lefty, I watched him a lot. Um, so these guys coming up, you know, I watched a lot of that just by that quote, absorbing what is useful. And then, you know, adding what is my my own. So I I think that that impacted me a lot. Um, I think it's great advice. And uh, you know, I other than that, I'm not sure there's anything that stuck out about somebody giving me advice. That's cool. I I, I would say on a on a different level, reading certain books. You know, like I said, the power of intention, anything Wayne Dyer, you know, that's impacted my life and the way I live. Um, just that positive energy and, uh, you know, the secret, stuff like that. You know, I, I, I think that's all great advice on a different level, you know, coming from inspirational books. law of
1: attraction stuff. That's great. Yeah. Um, that's great. Well, that, that's a great segue to the, the, the deepest question I could ever ask you, John.
0: <laughs> oh, wow.
1: Oh, here you go, man. What is your ultimate why?
0: Why? My ultimate why? Why, models. why male models? It <laughs> a good one. That was my daughter. We watched Zoolander. <laughs> Thanks, Sammy. Why male models? Uh, uh, can you elaborate a little more on that? Sure, sure.
1: So it's basically why we do what we do. You know, what, why do you feel compelled to compete? Why do you feel to be the best husband and father you, you can be? Why do you feel compelled to go, you know, start the hide in the beach Academy? Why, why are you doing all this stuff? You know, uh, is it as simple as why not? Or is there a deeper thing that's, that's driving you? I think it's
0: uh you could call it a selfish level. Why I do things. Um, it makes me feel good. It makes me happy to hang out and be with my family and see my kids doing what they're doing and getting better at things every day. It's selfish for me. The reason why I play volleyball is to, to win, you know, and and have that feeling after you win. And you, again, you work so hard at something. Um, I found this out a long ago and, you know, my trainer, My trainer says it all the time, you know, Um, I got a quote from a movie that I told him and now he says it all the time. Is the juice worth, worth the squeeze, you know, is the juice, if you're, if you're working your ass off and then you get injured and you got to work your ass off some more and the pain you go through and, and the sweat and getting up early, early in the morning and being beat up, is that juice worth the squeeze, the win? And it is, it is all the time. So, you know, it, it, it may be kind of a selfish thing winning uh, all the, all the effort you put into it is why, but, you know, and, and on another level, like I said, doing something nobody's ever done before is the why, you know, I, that, that's such a great thing. And I, I I said that earlier, and I think it's the first time my wife has heard me say something like that. And she kind of had this blank look on her face, like, really, you know, <laughs> but, but that's it. That's, that's huge. I'm doing something. Nobody else has ever done right now. So that's great. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It is great. And I have to continue to do
1: it. So it makes it even harder for somebody else to do it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's awesome, man. Looking back on your journey, is there anything you wish you could change and why?
0: Um, <laughs> I wish I played football <laughs> I say that all the time <laughs> You're such a good athlete. yeah like- I, I think if I had my discipline and my mentality and um I started off playing football I think I could have done really well at that sport uh, yeah, but
1: then you couldn't play for as long though you couldn't play as long, no,
0: yeah. no. There's always it, it,
1: it. You don't know that. There's you would have been the Tom Brady. You would have been the John
0: Hyman. Tom, Tom's still six years behind me, though. I know. And, and falling, and falling. <laughs> but um. Wait, where was I?
1: About would you regret anything? It, but but it, but it's not about regret. It doesn't necessarily have to be about regret. It, it's no, a question about changing? like yeah, changes.
0: I I'm. I don't think I would have changed anything. Um, it's unfortunate that our sport has the ups and downs and doesn't pay as well, you know. Um, but for me, from the beginning, the goal uh, was to excel at this sport and be able to create it to where I could spend time with my family. Um, you know, when, when I started coming up and winning, I was able to sell my business and concentrate fully on volleyball and pick up sponsors. And now my wife and I are the only husband, wife, parents walking our kids to school and picking them up from school, you know? And we didn't have to drop them off and say, get out of the car. We walked them in, you know, all through elementary school. And and then we slowly walked out of there, you know? And to be able to create that time with my family, I, I think I would never change it.
1: That's awesome, that's beautiful. Um, so the last thing I have for you, John, is looking at these pyramids. I'm not sure if you have them in front of you, but, um, I, I guess my question is, uh, <clears throat> did anything speak loudly to you from either one, either from coach Wooden's or from the pyramid of inspired living?
0: Um, if, if you go, if you go over uh, coach Wooden's yeah, uh, and, and yours, there, there is a lot of information Right. There's a lot of different aspects there in the pyramid. And if if I was an athlete and I was reading or if I wanted to model my life after either one of these, um, I believe I kind of have. Um, I, there's just a lot of information, which if I look at, I, I, I looked at this originally and I was like, wow, okay, there's so many different blocks here you know, how could you do each one? But when you do one, it translates into the other. So it kind of meshes well together with each one. Um, like that's not quite their own box, but it's like they're all kind of in the same circle. So when you, when you create, when you create a discipline, that discipline on the court, off the court with your family, with your nutrition, with your rehab, you know, you're hitting all of these little things. When you, when you start to create one, it just branches out into each one. Um, looking at it, I feel like there's way too many, but then I went over each one. I'm like, oh yes, I do that. I do that. I do that. So I think if if you're looking to follow something like that, just create one in your life, start with one and, all the others will soon start to start to surround that one. You mean one block? Is that what you mean? Yeah. One block. Yeah. If you, if you have one block and you're starting somewhere soon, you will create all those blocks around it. So don't, don't get overwhelmed. Like the first one I popped that up, I was like, Whoa, that's a lot of shit. Right. But then I started looking at each one. I'm like, Oh, well it's not really because as long as you're doing this, that creates this. And if you're doing this one, that creates this. And then now you're covering the whole pyramid, you know? So right, right. if I was going to read, if I was going to read that or try and follow it, I think you, you start with one or two and it's just going to create the whole thing for you. But you gotta f- follow that. You know, you can't just half ass it.
1: Right. Right.
0: If you're going to do something.
1: Don't half ass it. That's, that's kind of my mentality. Cool. You know, um, I saw this, this pyramid of success every day going to UCLA. It was painted on the wall and it's part of the culture there. And, and I, I kind of was inspired to make this one. Um, and I guess what I'm asking my guests for this project is would you encourage everyone, including yourself to make your own version of a pyramid? Um, or a compass?
0: I think yeah, it's kind of like a vision board. Yeah. Um, what you're putting on a vision board and trying to follow, you know, you want to manifest that. Well, you also want to follow these. Uh, like I said, it's a lot for me, but then when I look at it, so, so I would encourage somebody to take a look at it and pick something and try and try and mimic it, follow it, do the best they can at it. And like I said, it'll create everything around you. It'll, it'll create the rest of it around you is what I'm I like saying. that. I do like that because when you're taking it, t- it takes a special mind to be able to follow 20 different things. When
1: yeah. You're looking at it, right. Right. Um, there's, take, I, th- I think there's 15 plus the 15 blocks, plus the ones on the side. So yeah. Okay. Well, well if you were just going to look at that and
0: you hadn't read the books you read and you hadn't written that up, I mean, where did you start with it? Did you, did you start, With all of them, trying to do all of them at once? No, you you just can't, you know? It's too much information right off the bat. But you started by reading some books. You started, like you said, John Wooden up on the wall every day, you saw that. So you're starting there and seeing it every day kind of gets in your brain. And so when you get in certain situations, it's like, oh, okay, remember what he said about that? And you're trying to follow it. So I think as long as you're taking it in, at a smaller pace, then for sure, you know, I, I, I think if you get overwhelmed, that's where it falls apart.
1: You know? you know what? I have to tell you this right now. Karch said the exact same thing on his email response back to me. Cause oh, I, really? I, I gave him these, these pyramids and he, and he looked at him and he said, you know, 25, cause it, he's right. It's, it's it's 15 plus the 10 on the side. Mm-hmm. 15 block And, and cause I, I was like, did he? Did he not count him right? But no, he's right. It's it might be too much. It might be too much to to focus on. But that said, I do think that J- Coach Wooden created this as this compass. This is incredible compass for for a team. I mean, this is all. If you look at it, this was I think this was created in the in the fifties or sixties. But it, it it's a perfect kind of blueprint for team success. Um, if you're not on a team, or after you are done playing with a team, I think it's important to figure out, okay, and then what, where, where do you want to go now? You know, you, you won the championship already. Okay. Now what, you know, and I, and that's where I was inspired to make this one is to say, okay, cool. Even when you're walking your kids down the street or you're, you're, you're dropping them off at school, are you, are you inspired? And, and to me, like you are, you know, you, you guys are already doing that, but you, you've taken this whole career and you're able to, you know, be in that inspired living kind of place, um, kind of intrinsically, you know, Mm -hmm. but not everybody has that experience to get them there. So I I think that's what this, this whole project is. It's a tool to be able to help you to get to that inspired living kind of place, no matter what you're doing, whether you're on this, in this, in the game or out of the game, you know?
0: And, And I think, like I said, it's a great tool, but, don't get overwhelmed by seeing the entire tool. Got it. Yeah. Get pick pick one, two, three out, whatever it is that suits you. And as you go through that tool, it'll translate to another one. Like if you looked at that and took, if you look at that and took one, one of those and said, all right, this is what I'm going to do better. This is how I'm going to do it. You would find in a week moving on. Oh, well I was doing that all along because I was following this, you know, so if you, you break yeah. it down a little more, it's not too much information, but right in your face. Yeah. It's a lot of information.
1: I, t- so, I totally get what you're saying. And I actually really like that to me. What, what's what comes out while you are saying that is health, you know, you take care of yourself and you, and you commit to your nutrition and your workouts. I mean, things will start to follow and, and oh, for sure. Right there,
0: right there is discipline. Right. How hard, how hard is it to eat nutritiously?
1: Right. Freaking right. really hard. Right.
0: So right. if you have a if you have a good healthy eating regimen, that trans that's discipline right there. Right. Uh, and then being healthy is going to make you happier. <laughs> you right. know. Uh, right. Stuff. So I I think it they all just kind of start to mesh together in, in their own way. Cool. John, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no. I mean, this has been great. Yeah. You know, the, the questions you ask bring things out that I don't think think about too often. So cool. it's always like, like coaching. It's like it, I coach this way. Well, if I had somebody else there, say it a different way. Maybe I learned something. Maybe they learn something. same thing with interviews like this. You know, maybe you, you think of something you just didn't before. So cool. Man. Even Robin, like I said, to do something nobody's ever done before. I mean, how many people can say that? So
1: Right, right. Well, awesome, man. Well, I can't thank you enough for your time and your insights and your energy that you gave to us here today. And thank you so much. And um, can't wait to see you, man. Nah, thanks, brother. This episode is brought to you by DAF Global. If you're looking to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you're looking for editing services, hit up my guys, Oliver and Garrett at DAF Global. They're awesome. They help me with this podcast and they take care of all kinds of different services like editing and audio enhancement, and they're great to work with. They're also offering a 10% discount to all within the game listeners. So hit my guys up at DAF Global on Instagram and also on their website, www.dafglobal.co.uk.